0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. How does life right now have you on the defensive? I mean, you started out this year maybe on the offensive, ready to go, ready to make it happen, and then somewhere along the line, you started playing defense. I mean, think about it. Probably for many of you, when you think about this year, you're thinking that what life was like five months ago is better than what life has been like for the last five months and may very well be better than what the next five months will look like. Now, fast forward five months, that's gonna put us in January of 2021. Research has already been done that many people believe that the next five months will not be nearly as good as what life was like pre-pandemic. And as a result, many of us, are living our lives on the defensive, trying to get back and take back what we lost over the last five months. And so we live our life looking in the rear view mirror, just trying to reclaim what's been lost and trying to reimagine what could have been. And I think 2020 is a really good picture of how most of us live our lives. Just follow me here. We start off a year with great ambition, dreams, and this is gonna be the best year ever. Man, you probably made resolutions. In fact, I would imagine that many of you can't even remember what you thought could happen in 2020 when you started out. But you started out with a lot of ambition, just like you and I start out life with a lot of ambition and a lot of passion and a lot of dreams, and then March comes. And suddenly, life is hard. And then the difficulties and the tragedies and the pain, it starts to pile up. And you start to even forget that you ever dreamed that something could be possible in 2020. And in your life, things have piled up. Tragedies and difficulties and pain has piled up and it's, it's, it's not just covered, it's clouded even the belief that you ever dreamed. You can't even remember what it was like to dream and if you do, it's just that. It was nothing more than a naive childhood dream that wasn't anywhere close to reality. Some of you right now, when you look back just on this year, You can't even remember what you dreamed. And if you do, you're just like, yeah, I was so naive. And anybody who's dreaming around you, you just think that they're living in the January and the February of this year. Like life hasn't really hit them hard enough yet for reality to settle in and steal their dreams. But you, no, you've grown up, you've settled in. You've become comfortable with the way life is. And because you become comfortable with the way life is, you're just gonna find a way to get through. You've resigned yourself, and so what do you do? You just entertain and you numb your way through, just buying your time, trying to survive, believing that maybe if I can just make it to the end, then at least when, my, when I expire and I go on, maybe I'll find my way into paradise in eternity. But for right now, this is as good as it's gonna get, and frankly, it's not that good. Okay, that was heavy. Kind of got going there, and I just feel like I don't want to let up, but I do want to let you take a breath. But I want to challenge you for a moment. Somewhere deep, buried inside of every one of us, there is something that says I was made for more. There could be more. There is more. I believe there should be more to life than what is right now. What if there is? What if this isn't enough? What if there's more? But so often, that deep cry that says, "This isn't enough. It just gets buried. And so we settle for less then what's best, and we get caught up in a trap, resigned and wandering through life, feeling aimless and lost. And so, I, I, wanna, I wanna introduce you to a nation. At, at the very least, you'll at least feel like you're not alone. I mean, imagine an entire nation that was lost and wandering. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right, those of you online, you have no appreciation of what's happening. In- physically in the room, they just, they're not getting it. So let's just talk. Um, those of you at our campuses, man, appreciate you guys being here. By the way, man, can I can I just take a time out real quick and ask you to say, if you, if you enjoy this, if you're engaged, if you're coming out you're joining us online, would you take a moment and share and invite others? If you're joining us in person, man, you make it your mission to invite someone with you in person. And if they can't come or they won't come, then at least invite them to join us online. We believe that we have a mission to share and show God's love with anyone and everyone we can and I believe that as I'm sharing this message right now there are far too many people that are trapped resigned to the way life is settling in and living on the defensive and I want to I want to switch that I want to invite you to make a switch in your life and so let me introduce you to a nation that was wandering and and I'm gonna bring you to the front end of why they lived wandering Here is the thing. You have a a nation, a a nation of slaves. They lived in slavery for hundreds of years, and now God raised up a deliverer named Moses. And Moses was the, the mouthpiece and the hand of God, the instrument of God to rescue the nation of Israel out of Uh, the bondage of slavery in Egypt, and so God uses him to deliver them, and now the entire nation is set free. And while while they're marching through the desert, God brings them to the place where they're right at the brink, of the land that God had promised to give them, a promise God has been waiting to fulfill for over 350 years. They've been their, their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather all the way back, 350 years. All, what they've talked about is someday God is going to give us our own land, the promised land. And so here they are, they're right on the brink of stepping into the promises of God, of becoming everything they could be and living the dreams of God. But trust me, this is just March. I mean, this is like the first week of March of 2020. We're about to get pandemic level. So here we go. Let's jump in. It's found in the, in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, which is kind of a historical account of this Journey of the nation of Israel, and so here we go. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, so here's what's going on. Um, Moses sent spies into the promised land to explore it and figure out what they're gonna need to do in order to take the promised land, in order to live the promises of God. And so Caleb is one of the guys, he comes back and offers a report, and so he silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Let's do it. Let's go after the promises of God. For we can certainly do it. Like this is a Nike commercial. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there, of great are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. These are the descendants of Anak uh, that came from the Nephilim, which are like I don't know, unbelievable giants and men of renown and incredible warriors. And so like we saw these people who were like their ancestors were, gi- were giants and incredible warriors. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Let me read that verse. This verse again because this is really important when you think about living on the defensive and shifting gears and getting onto the offensive, settling for less or shifting your life and then beginning to pursue the purposes of God for your life. Here's where many of us get trapped. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. What you believe when you look in the mirror, you'll convince others to believe about you. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so they believed everyone around them saw them as nothing but grasshoppers. Some of you, you've been so blinded by your own insecurities that no one else could believe in you. You've so believed the lies in your own life that you can't believe the truth of God. And so you're trapped, settled for less, on the defensive, never pursuing the best that God has for you, for your family, for your neighborhood, for a city, for a nation. And when enough people start to believe the lie that we're nothing but grasshoppers, everyone else around us starts to believe it too. So how do, you, how do you make a shift? How do you do something different? And so you know, Caleb comes and Caleb's like, let's go, let's change the world. And the rest of them are like, nope, not gonna happen. We don't believe it's possible and so we're not gonna do it. From this point, God says, okay, you don't wanna, per- you don't wanna go in and take... My promise, you don't want to go in and take the promised land, then I'm going to let you die until your children who come after you will be old enough to do it because you wouldn't. And so God says, all right, you're going to wander in the wilderness. You're going to stay in the desert. You're never going to get the promises because your doubt and your unbelief and your insecurities and your fears have blinded you to what is possible. And so fast forward 40 years, they wander in the desert aimlessly lost. Now, now, of course, they're not lost. God knows right where they're at, but where they're at is something far less than where God wanted them to be. You jump ahead 40 years, and we get to this moment. This is how the book of Joshua opens up. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid. Now, when I spoke about this message, when I shared this message last week, I focused on the word Moses aid, and I talked to you about how God raised up Joshua, and it took, Joshua was being apprenticed under Moses for over 40 years, developing him to lead the nation into the promises of God. So God now has Joshua's attention, and he says this. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, anytime God states the obvious, there's something not so obvious that he wants to bring your attention to. He's trying to point something. This chapter is closed. What's going on here? Moses is the last guy that God said was going to die before they could pursue the promises of God. So this is a big statement. He says, okay, the chapter is over. That part is done. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River and into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'm ready. I've been waiting. Now it's time for you to get ready and go and take hold of the promises of God. Now, how are you, like me, are going to learn from the life of the nation of Israel and the story of Joshua to... to Get off of the defensive and start play, using the offensive playbook, stop settling and start pursuing and striving for the promises of God. Let me, let me give it to you. I, I, what I, what my challenge would be this, get dissatisfied. You, you gotta start stirring something inside of you that says, I am uncomfortable being comfortable. A little phrase I want to give you is this. I'm going to teach, you, I want to teach you how to live this out. Develop a holy discontentment. I challenge you to develop a holy discontentment. Let me, let me build off of this idea because some of you are going to read this and go, wait, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to explain to you why it's right. First, many of us, the dreams that are in our heart are all about Me. My dreams are about me and your dreams are about you. And so if all of us lived our dreams, what there would be is just a significant increase in selfishness in the world around us. I would get more of what I want, and you would get more of what you want, and we'd have to climb on top of someone else to get what we want, and what we would discover is that all of us would be trying to climb over each other to get climb the ladder of success and, and you know financial gain or gaining education, the position we want, and you would get to the top, only to discover that the ladder of success was leaning against the wrong wall. And we would have achieved something and destroyed people and destroyed ourselves and destroyed the world around us in the process. And that's where most of us find ourselves. And so God can't empower us to live our destiny because we're pursuing our dreams rather than God's promises. And the reason why we live our life pursuing our dreams, which is all about me and mine and what I want, is because you and I have a God, uh, the promises that God has for us are sabotaged by a spiritual instinct in every one of us to reject God. That's right. You thought that you were just intellectual and that's why you were rejecting God, or you've been hurt in your past or you're harboring some frustration. And as a result, you've kind of turned away from God and you thought that you did it on your own. No. You were sabotaged from before you were born to reject God by this spiritual force inside of you called sin. Sin lives inside of every one of us and it grows deeper and stronger, more powerful, and it causes us to reject God and reject God's best. And sin is the thing driving us to settle for something less to live on the defensive and make all of our dreams about me, myself, and I. And the worst part of sin is not just that it hurts us or causes us to settle. It's that it destroys us, and it destroys those around us, and it leads to a life of ruin, a life that doesn't just end in death, but a life that ends in forever judgment, God's judgment against sin. Now, let me give you some hope and encouragement. God is... And has always been unwilling to allow his people, the people that he created, the people he loved, to live their lives, not just on the defensive. And not just living their lives all about themselves. But God is unwilling to allow you to live your life trapped in and sabotaged by sin. God doesn't want you to reject him and so he pursued you. Interestingly, as, we, as we're using the, this ancient story of the life of Joshua as an example, Joshua's name means God saves. And uh, his name was lived out for the nation of Israel. God not only saved the nation of Israel, but God delivered the nation of Israel into his promises. Jesus' name means God saves. And thousands of years later, Jesus shows up on the scene. And he might remind you just a little bit of Joshua, because he shows up to lead the people he loves into God's promises. Well, how does he do that? First, he's got to overcome the battle With sin, where we all believe not that we're grasshoppers, but we all believe that we're something far less than what God believes about us. And so Jesus takes our sin on Himself. He embraces our eternal judgment, our guilt and our shame, and He dies in our place. And after Jesus dies, he victoriously rises from the dead. And in his resurrection, he gives us the gift through faith of eternal life, which can begin right now in your hearts and lives. Meaning you don't have to wait until you die to live eternal life. You can begin to live the eternal life of God right now in this present moment where God's spirit enters into your spirit and you become who God designed and created you to become all along. Because God living in you empowers you and enables you to overcome sin to be forgiven of all of the wrongdoing in our life. And he set you on a life course of living a new life and a forever life. And by the way, if that's where you're at right now, Man, don't move on from this moment. Don't just wait for me to give you practical steps on how to pursue the promises of God so that you're not settling for less or living on the defensive. This is your now moment. And so I want to encourage you, who, who cares about what could become of your life? The most important thing is that, you're, that you know Jesus. And that the starting point of your life, that everything begins and ends with just knowing and loving Jesus. And so, can I encourage you? Would you right now make a commitment and say yes to Jesus? And if you're make, if you're saying yes to Jesus, let us know. Text the name Jesus to four one four one one. Not just as some little quick thought or statement, but because you know that you're you're raising and saying yes, Jesus man, I've been pursuing my dreams, I've been making my life about myself, or maybe you've just been stuck, or living on the defensive, or you've just been wandering, and it's time for you to come home to faith in Jesus, to, to be forgiven of sin and begin this new life, and you're gonna let us know. Text the name Jesus to 41411. Now you've said yes to Jesus. God's spirit enters into your spirit, and everything changes. And now with God's spirit in your spirit, you're ready for more. You're ready to not settle for less. You're ready not just to be wandering in the desert. You're ready not to live on the defensive. God puts his spirit in you and God wants to empower you to step into his destiny and into his promises because so many of us leave so much of the promises of God untapped and unused. And we, it's like leaving all the gifts unopened under the Christmas tree. God bought all of this for you. He goes, here, all these gifts, and you and I, we just walk away, and nah, I'm not really that interested. God sits on the sofa of life, and He's like, where are my kids? I I got all these gifts for them, open my promises, live in my promises, in my destiny. And so I want to challenge you that there is more of God in store for you than you and I are living right now. And, And so God wants to do more and give you more in your life, but it's going to require you to lay aside your ego, your agenda, your ambitions, and say yes to what God has in store for you. And so let me jump back into the story in Joshua chapter one on how they began to live in a discontentment. Now, some of you, I know, some of you are, you know, you you grow up in church or you know the Bible and you're like, wait a second, doesn't that contradict what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 12, which he's saying, you know, we should be content in all circumstances, learn to be content, and now you're telling us to have a holy discontentment. Okay, the apostle Paul was saying that when, when in the flesh, in your own ego, you strive and you want to get ahead and you make your life about you. And as a result, you and I can be discontent with our finances, with our position, with the car we're driving, the house we live in. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about pursuing the promises of God and being discontent with not living and bringing the promises of God into your life, into your home, into your neighborhood, into a city and a region. So I'm going to challenge you to, this isn't about, I am not content with my income. No, 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 you can become content with what God has given you while being discontent with what God is doing through you how God wants to impact your community. And so that's what I'm talking about here. So let's jump into Joshua chapter one. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own and so he's saying, all right, I want you to do this. I want you to get up, get ready, let's go. And so my, my key takeaway here is simply this, become dissatisfied. I want you to get dissatisfied. I, I, want, I want something to stir inside of you where you just feel, feel uncomfortable with comfort. You are dissatisfied with being satisfied with the ordinary. You are dissatisfied like the nation of Israel wandering in the desert, not going where God has called you to go. You are dissatisfied with becoming who God has called you and created you to become. You're dissatisfied. Now, let me unpack this for you and break this down for you. What do I, what do I mean? I'm, what I mean is for you and I can far too often become comfortable with things we should not become comfortable with. We've become content with things that God is not content with. We've grown blind to things that God is looking at, and he is concerned about, and our hearts are comfortable with things that are breaking God's heart. But I wanna challenge you to become dissatisfied. So let's go back to the nation of Israel. God always wanted to bring them into his promises. They were so busy looking back. Now I can break this down and kind of give you chapter and verse, but let me make it simple for you. While they're wandering in the desert, they would literally say to Moses, man, the food in Egypt was better than what we're eating in the desert. They were slaves in Egypt. Listen to this, they would rather go back to Egypt and be slaves with a full stomach than to to be a little bit dissatisfied with the buffet that God provided for them, but be free. See, they were discontent with the wrong thing. They were discontent with food, but content with slavery. You see, God was discontent with their slavery and content with them eating manna that he provided for them. They, they were looking back and saying, yeah, but look, our people are dying in the desert. And, and God is looking and saying, man, you're dying because you're disobeying me. And quite frankly, better to die in the desert than live as slaves in Egypt. Some of us, it's time for us to learn how to be discontent with the right things. So what, what are you discontent about in your home, your marriage, your kids? your neighborhood. Some of you, you've settled into, it's good enough. My marriage is good enough. My kids, they're, they're fine. Man, they're not burning down the city. They're, they're not in prison. No offense, I get some of you, man, you've walked through hell and back with your kids. But you've drawn a line of mediocrity in your family and you've settled in and said, that's good enough. Man, my, my, my kids aren't shooting up heroin, so that's good enough. They don't, they don't care about Jesus, but it's good enough. You've become satisfied, content with your workplace. Nobody, nobody else follows Jesus. There's no, you're not being a light in darkness, but man, my work is good enough because I get a paycheck every week. You think your city is good enough because it's better than other cities. Let me be clear. I don't want my marriage to be good enough. And I don't want your marriage to be good enough. I want you to become dissatisfied with the status quo. It's not good enough until it's everything God designed it to be. I, want you to, I don't want you to be content. Until your marriage is great. Until your marriage shines and shows off the love of God. Until other people looking in at your marriage say, that's how Jesus loves the church. And that's the way we should love Jesus and the way that the husband and wife love each other. For my, in my home, I am not content with my marriage until the way I love my wife shows the love of Jesus until when she loves me shows off the way the church loves Jesus. And I'll tell you, she's doing a great job. I'm still a work in progress, but it's not good enough. Some of you, I want you. I don't want you to settle and say, my, my relation my kids is good enough. No, I want you to have a great relationship with your kids, and I want you to believe that your kids can become great. And you, here's the deal, not just great citizens, and not just great at work, and not just have a great job or get a great education. Here's my dream, that my kids become everything God designed and created them to be, and I don't want to settle until they're pursuing everything God designed for them in their life. And so my mission is that I'm not going to let it be good enough. I want them to stand on my shoulder. And I want to hold them up to run after Jesus. In my neighborhood, I'm not ready. In my neighborhood, I don't want my neighbors just to be good enough. I want neighbors that love Jesus. I want a great neighborhood where we're not just content with safety. Man, there's not crime in our neighborhood. No, I want a neighborhood that shines the light and love of Jesus. I want a city on a hill. I want a, I want a, I want a city where we're not just content because we're not dealing with all the crime and problems in the in the nations and in, in our nation around us. No, I want a city that shines and shows the blessing and the favor of God and I'm not backing off until it happens. If you wanna know what makes me angry, what gets me mad, what I'm not content about, I am not satisfied that 100,000 people in our county are far away from Jesus, and that goes for Washington County and that goes for Franklin County. In each county, 100,000 people far from Jesus. I am not content that we have issues of addiction, that we have issues of marginalization, that we have issues of broken homes and kids that don't have a stable family. I am not content that people feel alienated from each other. I am not content that people look in at the church and they think that the church is against them rather than for them, because and they start to believe that God is against them rather than for them, and as a result, I'm passionate yeah. about, I'm not gonna say it's good enough. I wanna see the church be great, and I wanna see us transform our cities. Okay, I've made my point strong. Here's the deal. At some, at some point, something's gotta get inside of you that is just a little dissatisfied. Now, I want to take a little bit of fire that God has put in me, and I'm going to give it to you. Right now, what should you be fired up about? What should you be dissatisfied with? What should make you discontent and unhappy? Because it breaks the heart of God. And you're settling for something far less than what God dreamed for you, what God imagined for you. And so right now, I want you to make a commitment that you are not settling for less than all that God has designed for your life. That you are not going to stay outside of the promises of God and say, no, we'll just keep wandering. No, you're going you're to take that step. That season is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up and go take the land that I called you to. So I want for every one of you. There are promises of God untapped in your life, but it's going to require you to be a little unsettled. There is a time to prepare, and there's a time to pursue. How do you know the difference? Yes, God is in the waiting. And in the waiting, there is a season of preparing. The truth is, what's holding you back from the promises of God is you've got to let the pain of staying become worse than the pain of changing. Some of you, the pain of staying is a lot less than the pain that it will require for you to change and pursue what God has for you. And you've settled in, you've gotten comfortable. You're like, yeah, it's bad, but I don't know what it'll be like if I try to do that. So you're unwilling to take a risk. You're unwilling to take a step of faith. I'll tell you what pushes faith. When the pain of where I've been and the pain of where I am outweighs the pain of where God's calling me to go. So how painful is where you're at right now? I hope that the pain of where you're at is enough to push you into God's promises for your life. So that you say enough is enough. This must change now because God has a better marriage in store for you. And he has a better relationship between you and your kids, between you and your parents. He has a better, re- he has a better uh, work for you at work than just you doing your work. He wants to turn you into a bright light of his love and he wants to shine through you his purposes and his life. But you gotta become dissatisfied with the status quo. You gotta become dissatisfied with going back to where you were or staying where you are. You gotta say enough is enough. I must pursue the promises of God. So here's what I want to do. I'm gonna pray over you. Because for every one of you, I believe that God has promises, a promised land that is just sitting right in front of you. But so many are gonna walk away because the pain of pursuing it is worse or hurt. They fear that it hurts more than just staying where they are. So many They walk away from God's promises because they've wrongly believed that God doesn't want what's best for them. Don't you believe that lie? God has never settled for less than your best and he proved it on the cross. Jesus Christ died to give you new life and forever life, to give you his very best. And so he laid his best on the cross to give you the best of God. And the best of God is not about you and what you want, what you can get out of life. It's about laying down your ego and your dreams and what you desire to take up the promises of God for your life, which is hope and healing and forgiveness and faith and the promises of God, both for you and your family and your community. And don't you settle for anything less. Let me pray over you right now. Jesus, I I just want to say thank you that you love us that much. That you never settled. You never settled and said, okay, it doesn't matter if they all go to hell. You never settled and said, "Ah, you know, I could just create another world. You saw us and you loved us so much that you were willing to come and die to give us life and new life and forever life. And so we receive that new life of God by saying yes to you. But God, we don't want to settle for just allowing you in us, but never receiving all the promises that you have for us. And so right now, God, I pray that for every individual that hears me speak and hears me pray, you'd start to stir up in them a little holy discontentment that they would become discontent with the things you're discontent about and they would become uncomfortable with the things you're uncomfortable with and they would start becoming content with the things you're content with and they would become satisfied with the things that you should be satisfied with. And they would understand the difference between the two. Give them wisdom to know what you are discontent with. And then God give them the the passion to step in and make the changes necessary to pursue everything you have for them in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.